Hello, and welcome to Human Is My Label. This is your host, Emily Purry. I am a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sibling, and a former athlete. I work full time. I am the founder of Rapid, a nonprofit organization, and I'm legally blind. I am so excited about opening the conversation about everything equity. We will primarily be talking about disability, as that is my lived experience, and it is often the minority left out of the equity conversation. I am passionate about equity for all identities, as I have family members from the communities of color, LGBTQIA, disabilities, and we span all ages. It is my goal to normalize these conversations, get people comfortable with the uncomfortable, and include everyone. After all, we are all human. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining me again today. We have another awesome guest today. Her name is Heidi Mason, and we actually connected through a diversity, equity, inclusion group um, that was, we were some two of the beginning members. Um, we've all heard Paul Brown on the podcast, so Paul and Heidi and I are all in the same community of practice, and so that's how we got connected. So Heidi, thank you for being on with me today. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So let's give the listeners just an idea of, you know, your background, what you do, whatever you want to share with us, everything and anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So my name is Heidi Mason. Uh, my day job is an attorney. I practice employment and labor law here in Portland. Mm -hmm. um, in my personal time, uh, my passion is volunteering and I like to volunteer in a lot of different aspects. Uh, right now I serve on uh, the board of directors for the Portland Human Resource Management Association and I also serve on the board of directors for the Dave's Killer Bread Foundation. Awesome, awesome. And your attorney, how long have you been an attorney? Oh, too long. No. Not that long. <laughs> uh, it's been about eight years. Eight years. Okay, and what were you doing before that? Uh, before I was an attorney, I had a passion for HR, and I actually still do, because on the side, uh, I, I do human resources consulting, but my undergraduate is in human resource management. I went to school at Portland State University Okay. and uh, worked in HR for a while and then decided, you know, it's time to jump the fence. Let's go to law school. <laughs> How do those, how did that come about? Because it doesn't seem like a natural step. <laughs> it doesn't, but I can tell you that um, they're pretty closely related. When you get into HR, you're dealing with a lot of regulation. Yeah. Right? You're, you're helping people, but you have to help them within the boundaries of the law, which means you need to know generally uh, what you can and can't do as a, as a business owner and, and as a company. Uh -huh. And so... Uh, after I got my degree, I, I found a job as a human resource manager, and um, it was for a mid-sized company, and I was their first HR manager that really had a background in HR, was it, you know, not coming up through the ranks oh, as, wow. an, as an assistant somehow, and uh, got to the level where I was talking to the CEO, the CFO, you know, quite a bit, and 
I, I was the one who approved the bills for our employment attorney. Oh, wow. And after I seeing what they were doing and how much they were getting paid, <laughs> I thought, you know, actually there's something wrong here. It's time, <laughs> it's time to make the switch. But I had always actually wanted to go to law school. My, um, my dream when I was younger was to be a law student. And I always wanted to go. And I thought, you know, with my personality, I probably shouldn't because I'll just work nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what and you do I'm, from what I've yes. what I heard. <laughs> yes. And then I, I uh, graduated and worked in HR and I worked nonstop. And I thought, well, if I'm doing this anyway, I might as well just go. So there you go. Um, yeah. and, and for our listeners, how do you identify yourself as far as your identity? So we know where you are. Absolutely. So I identify as Chinese American. Mm -hmm. My uh, parents uh, both immigrated from Hong Kong oh, when wow. they were, what, late teens, early 20s. Oh, wow. And, um, and I came out as gay in my early 20s. Okay. So uh, yeah, I've got a couple of intersecting identities. There. Yeah, for sure. And how do you manage here in Portland? Are you, do you, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I love it because I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. Ooh. And I was Ooh. born and raised Mormon. And oh, interesting. it was a very different culture. It's a lot uh, more diverse here. Yes, then yes, then Utah, absolutely. Um, and so were your parents... I know this may be too personal, sorry. Um, we can cut it if you want. Were they accepting of you coming out in your 20s? No. No, no okay. I should, I should take that back. Um, it was difficult for, okay. for my mom. Yeah. My dad, on the other hand, he was totally cool from the beginning. You know, whatever makes you happy and, and, and super supportive. Uh, my mom really, really had a hard time. Uh, same with my aunt. You know, we're pretty traditional Chinese as a, as a family mm -hmm. and, and really tight knit. And so uh, when my mom struggled with it, she, she brought in the extended family and there was some uh, yeah. drama uh, <laughs> family wide, but where we started was a sit down conversation after a huge fallout where we agreed that we wanted to have a relationship with each other. Okay. And my mom and my aunt said, well, look, we love you. We want to have a relationship with you, but we don't want to know anything about that part of your life. So if you're dating somebody, we don't want to know. If you get married, we don't want to know. If you have children, we don't want to know. Just don't tell us and, and we can still have a relationship. And I said, you know, I can live with that for now because yeah. I don't have any of those things. Yeah. Um, but over time, I'm not going to be okay with that, but I want to have a relationship with you. So let's start. And 10 years later, mm -hmm. um, my uh, aunt and uncle uh, walked down the aisle uh, at my wedding. Oh. They paid for my wedding dress. Oh my, my mom goodness. arranged and paid for our honeymoon. Um, it's a very, a totally different story now, but it, it took a lot of time and it was worth it. And you, yeah, and you were willing to start there, not forever, but that's awesome. That's an awesome story. That's a, that's a good outcome. Wow. Okay. So switching gears, let's see. Um, 
So you became an attorney, and what do you, what kind of law do you practice, and what are your advocacy as far as equity? How has that journey gone for you, especially going from HR and looking at equity? And when we talk about HR now in the equity world, a lot of people say HR is the problem, <laughs> and you know HR is saying I'm doing the best I can with all these regulations, and we got to staff the, the companies, and and so. Um, how did your equity journey from HR to your current practice, um, how did that go? You know, it's so interesting, like from the viewpoint of an HR person, I definitely, uh, it, de it definitely resonates more with me to look at it on the, the second version that, that you said, where, you know, from the HR perspective, we are the ones that consistently tell the business leaders, look, you know, people are, are more than just a line item. Your mm -hmm. people, yes, you might look at it from the finance side as your biggest cost, but it's not true. People are your biggest asset. Mm -hmm. and, and if you really want to improve in, in these functional areas in your business, uh, the way to really get there is to invest in your people and, and to help your people have the resources and the tools and the environment to really succeed. Absolutely. Yeah. And then that takes you into your area of law, which is? Oh, I guess the <laughs> easiest way to explain it is I don't, for the most part, open businesses. And I typically don't close them, but anything that happens in between for a for-profit, a non-profit, or a governmental entity, um, that's all for the most part within my wheelhouse. So if we're dealing with employees, if we're dealing, dealing with regulators like the IRS or OSHA, DHS, uh, licensing, um, a anything in between, you name it, that's, I've probably done something with it. Wow, that's a lot. Um, and did you immediately jump into employment law with your background and then you went straight into employment law or did you venture around like some attorneys do? I went straight into employment uh, okay. from the beginning, which was nice because I already had a general understanding of, of the lay of the land. Yeah. And I found that uh, for most of my clients, they really appreciate that I have the HR background because when they're looking at the nuts and bolts and the forms that they need to fill out and the insurance paperwork they need to fill out, mm. um, I know what that looks like. I had to do it. <laughs> yeah. so I can actually say, yes, on line four, this is what you write. And, yeah. uh, and, and so I take a really practical approach to, to my legal advice. Um, and the same thing is I, and I always keep the HR side as well. So I'll, I'll start a conversation with, okay, here's the, the legal side and the yeah. legal analysis and the risks and the pros and cons. And now I'm going to take off my legal hat and put on my HR hat. And let's talk about morale and let's yeah. talk about what this looks like internally and externally. And let's talk about, is this the right thing? Does this fit your culture? And because sometimes you know, you need a well-rounded uh, answer to your Absolutely. problem. Well, and something that you can practically apply. I mean, so much legal jargon is so hard for somebody to actually say, okay, I kind of understand what you're saying, but how does, what does that mean when it comes to putting it into practice? And so having both those lenses is so helpful. 
it's nice. I like it. It gives, it's a lot of fun for me. Good, good, good. Um, and so when you say you're on the board of uh, Dave's Killer Bread, and so how does that play into your equity work? How does that play into your career as an attorney? Where, where does the passion lie there? Absolutely. So Dave's Killer Bread Foundation for uh, the listeners who aren't familiar, um, you may have heard of Dave's Killer Bread, the bread itself, which is fantastic. Uh, Dave's Killer Bread Foundation is a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to promoting second chance employment. Um, second chance employment, meaning, you know, we look to find opportunities for people who are incarcerated and are formerly incarcerated to find meaningful, gainful employment uh, upon release. Mm-hmm. And we work primarily with the businesses on that end to open up opportunities and be willing to hire people who have been touched by the criminal justice system. Nice. And so that you do that work through Dave's Killer Bread, but does that also flow into your practice that you, your full-time job, if you will? Sometimes. So not through Dave's Killer Bread, but I definitely have uh, a lot of clients who are interested in second chance employment. And okay. I tell them flat out, hey, just so you know, this is where I personally stand on it. Also, it's a good thing to do. And here's yeah. how you can do it lawfully. And here are some ideas and tips and, and how you can signal to the world that you're a second chance employer. Yeah. Well, and as we were talking before the the call, I I mentioned that I was filling out insurance paperwork and how even as a business the ramifications of checking that box, yes or no, I hire people who have been convicted of crimes, it, there's, there's a price to pay. And I loved what you said when I said that, there's a price to pay, but what does that show to the world? Right, absolutely. Because if you're a business owner and you're committed to equity, then you put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Right? And maybe you do pay a higher price or you shop around for different insurance carriers because not all insurance carriers will increase your rate. Which I love that. See, and as an especially a business, a small business and a startup business, you know, you don't know those things. You think, okay, let me just do what I got to do and get it done. But, you know, as I was answering those questions, you really have to think like, how committed am I or how I'm not committed am I not to equity? And so you, it's just a very interesting thing that I never really thought about until, uh, you know, doing all the stuff myself. Um, there was, uh, there's many employers out there listening today, and there's also probably people um, who are second chance uh, citizens looking for jobs. And, and what, are, what are some things you can give them as advice to how to move through the employment world on both ends, if you, if you have any tips? Sure. So if you're a business, I would say you should already be a second chance employer. Like based on the current network of laws that are already on the books that every business needs to comply with, um, it's just not acceptable to say across the board, if you have a criminal background or if you have an arrest, if you have a conviction of any kind at all, uh, I will not hire you. Yeah. You know, there are very few spaces where that's acceptable. For example, maybe if you as an employer, you are the FBI, okay, I understand <laughs> that, right? Uh-huh. If you are a, a court, right, that, that seems to make sense. If other than that, uh, in the private sector, nonprofit sector, um, pretty much no. I mean, there might be some restrictions, like if you provide services to 
um, vulnerable populations, then obviously, yes, there you're going to need to do some sort of criminal background check to comply with uh, existing state law. But that doesn't mean it's okay to say across the board, every conviction, nope, you're, yeah. I'm just not going to accept this employee. So if you're a business, um, it's really worth looking into exactly what do you need to exclude and mm -hmm. and talk to your attorney about the the right way to to set proper parameters so that you're not negligent mm -hmm. uh, up front but you don't you don't set the threshold to be so high that people who could be really great candidates yeah. um, are discriminated against because you don't consider them yeah i love that uh, on the flip side, if you're an employee and you've been touched by the criminal justice system, um, my first tip is, you know, don't give up. Uh, yes, you have a criminal background. One in four Americans do, uh, and, and that's just the way it is. But employers, especially the ones with strong HR uh, departments, they already know about ban the box. They already know about non-discrimination. Mm -hmm. And there is a movement to hire more and more second chance employees. So don't give up on finding your dream job. You might hit barriers for sure, but keep going because eventually, yes, you are going to get there. Um, for everybody else, if you don't have a criminal background, don't Google people. <laughs> like it's just, it doesn't matter, yeah. right? Again, one in four Americans have a criminal background. And if you have a great team and you're working well with your team, there's no point in Googling somebody just because you're curious. I mean, there, there's no point to ruining that relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is human is my label. Like if you are having it, like like Heidi says, a relationship with a person and that relationship is strong and has trust and has, you know, you don't have to know all of the secrets or things that have happened in that person's life, just as with a disability. If you're interacting with me and we are having a conversation and you notice that something's going on with my vision or my eyes, you can just notice that and it's still fine. You don't have to know, you might be curious, but you don't have to know the details of how much I can see or how much I can't see or, you know, why isn't she looking at me? Oh, she's disrespectful. Like just be okay with whatever the situation is. And it's, it's the same for a lot of minority and um, uh, underrepresented or underserved gr groups. It's like, we are not this mystery that's just there to <laughs> feed your curiosity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, Oh, our bully conference. What should we say about that? Um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. November is 5th and 6th. If you haven't signed up, sign up. Um, let's see. So, and it's Nicole, what's her last name? England. England. Okay. Um, so all of us, uh, Heidi and myself and Nicole England are going to be presenting this November at the Bully Conference, um, Bureau of Labor and Industry. And so if you're not signed up for that, definitely get signed up for that because our presentation is going to be the best. <laughs> True. Very true. Um, we're very excited about that. Otherwise, um, I will put Heidi's contact information um, on the show notes below. And we 
will also make sure and check out the Facebook page, Human is My Label, and we will put all the rest of the information there. Heidi, is there any final wrap-up thoughts that you have for the, for the listeners out there? Besides show up at the Bully Conference, it'll be great. Yes. Uh, other than that, you know, the, my final thoughts, especially right now in, in the environment we're in, it ties, you know, right back to what we said before. It's tough right now. It's tough for mm. everybody. Um, be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with other people. Yeah. Um, that's, that's about all the best advice I have for, for everyone is, you know, uh, it's okay to not be okay right now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 2020 just keeps getting going more and more. We'll just say that. Right. Um, are you accepting clients right now? If people are I looking? Am. Okay. I am. Perfect. So again, I'll put contact information for you um, in the show notes and we will go for there from there. Sounds great. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today. And we will look forward to hearing more from you. And we will see all the listeners at the Wooly Conference. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me here today at Human Is My Label. Don't forget to subscribe, share this with your friends, families, and coworkers. Get out there, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, include everyone, and push yourself to be better every day. If you're interested in coaching or corporate training or learning more about RAPID, visit us at rapidorgan.org. That's R-A-P-I-D-O-R-E-G-O-N.org. You can find me at emily.purry on Instagram and all my other social handles are below. Have a great day and can't wait to see you next week.